Our scripture reading this morning is from the book of Mark. Hear the word of the Lord from Mark 1, 21 through 34. They went into Capernaum, and right away he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and began to teach. They were astonished at his teaching, because he was teaching them as one who had authority and not like the scribes. Just then, a man with an unclean spirit was in their synagogue. He cried out, What do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit threw him into convulsions, shouted with a loud voice, and came out of him. They were all amazed, and so they began to ask each other, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once the news about him spread throughout the entire vicinity of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went into Simon and Andrew's house with James and John. Simon's mother-in-law was lying in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. So he went to her, took her by the hand, and raised her up. The fever left her, and she began to serve them. When evening came, after the sun had set, they brought to him all those who were sick and demon-possessed. The whole town was assembled at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and drove out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, good morning. All right, so if you follow along, we're in Mark one, we're going through the book of Mark. Um, series is called The Gospel of the Kingdom. That's the, the message that Jesus would preach. <clears throat> now, I want to start with this, this question. I want you to ponder it. Why do we gather on Sunday mornings as a church? You, why? Somebody say something. Fellowship, Fellowship. what else? To hear God's word. Anything else? Worship. Worship. There's a lot, a lot of reasons why we, we gather uh, on Sunday mornings, but the reality is, and, I, and I'm going to be honest, this might step on somebody's toes, so I hope you got, you know, a toe guard. Anyway, uh, <laughs> um, the reality is that we don't really, as a culture, we don't honor the gathering on Sunday morning that much. Uh, it, it usually doesn't become and it's usually not that big of a priority. Uh, it's, it's something that's relatively uh, easy to skip. Uh, one, one of the reasons that we downplay it is we put this, we, we have this false dichotomy. We're like, well, the real fellowship happens in smaller groups. So then Sunday morning doesn't matter as much. And I think we don't necessarily have to pit them against one another. But the gathering, the corporate gathering, is where the kingdom of God is demonstrated. The corporate gathering is where the kingdom of God is demonstrated. And not only that, the corporate gathering is the preparation for the continual manifestation of the kingdom of God 
in your life throughout the week. Okay? So this sermon is called Corporate Worship and the Demonstration of the Kingdom. We look at verse 21 and 22, we get this, this idea that Jesus honors the corporate gathering of God's people. Verse 21, they went into Capernaum, and right away he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and began to teach. They were astonished at his teaching because he was teaching them as one who had authority and not like the scribes. Now, here's a question. Why is it important that Jesus went to the synagogue? If anybody had an excuse to not go to the corporate worship, is it not Jesus? Was he going to learn anything new? No. Did he need help with his connection with the Father? No, no. If anybody had an excuse not to go, it would be Jesus Christ. But the scriptures say on the Sabbath, on the day of worship, he said, I need to go to the synagogue. Here's the reality. Jesus was fulfilling one of the Ten Commandments. Y'all heard of those? There's ten things. It was on some stones and stuff. All right. Jesus was fulfilling the Ten Commandments. Why is that so important? The reason it's so important is because Jesus had to fulfill the law on our behalf because we could not. And the reality is when we think about the Ten Commandments, I don't know, you ever heard people like, well, Old Testament don't matter no more. All right, so which of the Ten Commandments would you not like to do? Would you, would you, is it cool if people, you know, go around stealing stuff? No. Do you, do you want people to just be cheating on their spouse? Probably not. Are you cool if, if Christians are taking God's name in vain? No, you, are you cool if people worshiping other God? Okay, so, so get it. Every single one of them, we would say, no, nah, we should probably obey that one. We should, right? Except one. Right? Remember the Sabbath. Keep it holy. And we make excuses about it. Well, that, that was all testament, but I'm like, listen, if somebody come up to you, I'm like, nah, I don't feel like my wife, I'm going to go get this other woman. And you'd be like, well, look, now, there's some stuff that's kind of murky in the scriptures, but that's not one of them. Like, that one's pretty clear. So, so you probably, you probably shouldn't, shouldn't do that one. See, see Jesus is, is the, the, the perfect man, and he is obeying God in our place so that his sacrifice is effective. And the reality is what we have just demonstrated, I think, is that the Ten Commandments are still binding. Yeah? Should we not do them? If I was your pastor and I was like, you know what, I'm not, I, I don't care about the adultery one, I don't care about the stealing one, I don't care about the murder one, you'd be like, well, hold, hold up, pastor. <laughs> You can't just say it, don't. No, no, they still matter. So if they all still matter, we have to ask ourselves, well, what then does it mean to honor the Sabbath? If all the Ten Commandments still matter, and there's one that we don't talk about a lot, but it would be good if we obeyed it, then what exactly does that mean? So I'm, I'm going to bring you to something called a catechism. We do that with our kids, right? The kids on Sunday mornings, we're going through the New City Catechism. And question 10 of that same catechism, it says, how do we obey the Sabbath? It's very nice. It just tells us, right? It says that on the Sabbath day, we spend time in public and private worship of God, rest from routine employment, serve the Lord and others, and so anticipate the eternal Sabbath. Like we set aside one day for worship. That, that is the same for the Old Testament people of God, 
And is it, is it, is it, no, is, all the, is the other Ten Commandments different? No, no. The difference is the day changed from Saturday to Sunday, but the, the reality is it still matters. The Sabbath is a day set aside for worship. You know, when we talk about giving, uh, we, we talk about like, uh, why, why would somebody tithe? One of the things about tithing is you're saying, I'm giving X portion of my money as a demonstration that all my money belongs to the Lord. Yeah? So in, this, in the very same way, I'm giving this day to the Lord as a, rec, as an, as a, a statement that all my days belong to the Lord. So the Sabbath is for worship. And not only that, the Sabbath is for rest. Now, I feel like sometimes we get a faulty definition of rest. If I go binge Netflix for 10 hours, did I rest in the way that the Bible tells me to rest? No. <laughs> sometimes I'm tired. <laughs> you know, like I, I just was in the, I, you know, like if we, there, there's, there's, there's laziness and there's rest, right? There's, there's different. It's a different thing, right? I think one of the differences with rest, you're resting in the company of others. You're resting as you reflect on the Lord. You're resting as you look at creation. So again, Jesus obeyed the law by keeping the Sabbath. This is why he went to the synagogue. Let me tell you something else. There was people at the synagogue that didn't even like Jesus. But he still went. Matter of fact, there's people in the synagogue that at the end of the three years are going to decide to crucify him. And he didn't say, forget y'all. He still, why, why? Because he was going to obey the commands of his father. And when we look at the text, it says he went in the synagogue and what did he do? He immediately began to teach. So that, that shows us what a central portion of Sabbath worship is about. Teaching. The authoritative teaching of God's word is one of the chief means by which God leads his people. And it's consistent across the Bible. In the Old Testament, they're like, what does God say? Where's the prophet? Prophet so-and-so, what are we supposed to do? In the New Testament, what is God saying? Well, where's the apostles? They have the word. And, and right now in our era, it's the pastors and the teachers that proclaim the word of God. And this is the chief way that we understand what God is like and what God would have us to do. And here's the thing about Jesus' uh, uh, words. They were astonished. Why? He says, because they taught him, they taught them like one who had authority. So was Jesus giving suggestions? No, they wouldn't have been astonished like that. One of the reasons that they said it's different than the scribes is because the scribes didn't trust in their own authority, so they had a lot of footnotes. They're like, well, so-and-so said this, and so-and-so said this. Jesus said, well, I say this, and I say it because I say it. Jesus is the one with authority, and Jesus is the one who can speak authoritatively to us. And here's the reality. We live in an anti-authority age, and part of that is because authority has been abused. But the reality is we live in that age of anti-authority to the point where, like, there's some people that don't even like to call preaching preaching. I, I'm giving a talk. Why? Because preaching carries with it the connotation that there's something authoritative being said. Jesus is not giving suggestions. He's not telling his random ideas. He is giving commands. And what we have to ask ourselves is, are we offended that Jesus gives us commands? Would it not have been better if he said, well, if you feel like, you know, you can do what you, you know, it's cool. 
you know, or what I would do. I can't tell you what to do. What I would do, that's not how, they like Jesus up here just telling everybody what to do. Doggone, <laughs> chill, Jesus. Look, we, we do not, we, we do not reject the authority of Christ's teaching. And the, tr- the chief way that he teaches us is through the text. And the chief way that we understand the scripture is through somebody telling us what it said. So we don't reject the teachings of Jesus, even though it might rub up against something we don't like. Even though it's authoritative and you would have rather him suggested it. We don't, we don't, that's not what we do. <clears throat> so we go on in the text, starting in verse 23. It's Jesus' miracles point to his authority. Verse 23, just then a man with an unclean spirit was in their synagogue. He cried out, what do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now, that would have been an eventful church service, yeah? <laughs> oh, snap, what's going down today? All right, you know, so it goes on, it goes on. Jesus rebuked him, saying, be silent, come out of him. And the unclean spirit threw him into convulsions, shouted with a loud voice, and came, up, came out of him. They were all amazed, and so they began to ask each other, what is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once the news about him spread throughout the entire vicinity of Galilee. What this paints a picture of is that, remember, what's, what's it, what context? Context is, okay, context is king. What's happening? So Jesus is in the setting of corporate worship. And what this interaction reminds us of is that, that corporate worship is actually spiritual battle. Corporate worship is spiritual battle. Listen, listen, when we, when we worship God together, it's as if heaven comes down. And, and we join in the worship of heaven. And God's presence is here to encourage and, and convert. And, 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 and the corporate singing, the praying and the obeying of the scriptures, that is warfare. You're like, how do you know? Listen, there's a couple of stories in the Old Testament that helped me get at that. One is when they're going to go take the city of Jericho. You remember that? They, they have a legit army, right? And they're like, Lord, how do we go fight this city? You think he would like have drawn a battle plan or something? He says, I want you to go around the city and sing praise songs. I don't know what that army would like, what? <laughs> that is a whack plan, bro. Like, you know? <laughs> but they obeyed God. And as they worshiped, their enemies were defeated. Those, those walls came down. There's another st- story where King Jehoshaphat... Don't name a child that. King Jehoshaphat was about to go to war. And he asked the prophet, he said, how do I, how do I win this thing? They, they kind of got us. They were kind of outnumbered. He said, what I want you to do is I want you to put the praise and worship leaders at the front. Now, man, listen, if I was a praise and worship leader, I'm like, you better give me a sword, bro. Like, <laughs> but like, listen, no, they start praising. And at the sound of their praise, the enemy army is defeated. Worship, corporate worship, is spiritual battle. You ever feel like your life is a battle? You feel like you're living out through the week and you're fighting with yourself and you're fighting with your spouse and you're fighting with your boss and you're fighting all these types of things. And you're like, Lord, I really wish you would teach me how to fight. Well, he's giving you one tool, corporate worship. That, that is one of the tools. <sighs> And so, so Jesus is teaching with authority, and the unclean spirit starts wilding out. Jesus, 
You know, the reality is that the evil one hates authoritative teaching. One of the reasons this unclean spirit is speaking is because he's trying to distract people. It'd be hard to listen to somebody preaching if somebody's wilding out in the back convulsing, right? But listen, listen, the, 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 the evil one hates the, the, the authoritative teaching of God's word. That's the reason for the distraction in this text. That's the reason for the agitation. That's the reason why, why we kind of shuffle against it. Don't tell me what to do. Let me decide on my own. And Jesus says, that's not how I operate. See, the, the, the teachings of Jesus come with spiritual power. I love that when he was teaching, they didn't say, well, that was really smart. Oh, man, that was, that was novel. Oh, man, you should write it. But that's not what they said. They're like, there's some power going on. Something, something is accompanying these words. Something, something's happening. See, the, the demonstration of the kingdom ought to accompany the preaching of the gospel. So you ever heard the, the Bible talks about signs and wonders? Like, what does that mean? You wonder, you're like, oh, you go, oh, man, I'm, that's wow. A sign is something that points to something else, right? So if you're driving down the street and you see a stop sign, the sign is telling you you should stop. <laughs> when Jesus is doing these works of the kingdom, it's a sign going, hey, you should pay attention to him. You need to, look, you need to listen to what he said. Do you see the signs that he's doing? You need, you need to open your ears and listen to that. Listen, listen, when, when Jesus is at work in the church, that is the sign that his teachings are true. Y'all, I've seen Jesus at work in our church. I've seen families restored in our church. I've seen people come to Jesus in our church. I've seen people show kindness when they didn't used to show kindness, and people repent when they didn't used to repent. And I could say, well, you might be able to argue with what I'm saying, but, but we can see the demonstration of the kingdom and the lives of our members. And listen, not only this, y'all, this is, y'all might be weirded out by this, but I remember one day when Caleb first started, I was, I was one of the things I taught him about, I was like, hey, man, you're going to be a pastor, so there might come a day where you have to cast out a demon. I don't know how you felt about that day, uh, but we were talking about that, and, and then we got a call, and the call said, hello, my family member is doing flips and punching walls. Can you come? I said, Caleb, it's time. <laughs> you know, like, let's go. Now, we don't got to get into the nitty-gritty of that, but in the name of Jesus, that demon went away. It's, his power still works today. Why? Why? Because it demonstrates that his teaching is true. So Jesus had a, had a really interesting Sunday morning, I'd say, yeah? You know, he, I just came to teach, and people wilding down, and I had a cat, you know. After this intense corporate gathering, what Jesus decided to do was Jesus prioritizes friendship and fellowship. Look at verse 26. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went into Simon and Andrew's house with James and John. So on the Sabbath day, the day of worship, Jesus spends time with his friends. Now, he had every opportunity to not do that. He was like, y'all, y'all, y'all saw what I just had to do, right? I'm tired. <laughs> like, I need to go on somewhere. 
But no, no, he said, no, it's the Sabbath day. One of the ways that we worship on the day of the corporate gathering is that we spend time with God's people. It is important to rest with the brothers and the sisters. That's one of the reasons why I love potlucks. We all get to just chill together, hang out. I get to break Aiden's ankles. We need to prioritize fellowship. What I want for our church is, a, is a, a culture of care and discipleship. A, a church that feels the importance of the one another's. Here, here's what I want to explain to you. It is, it is not the elder's job to carry out all the pastoral care. It is the elder's job to help you carry out the pastoral care. Listen, there are people who have needs, there's people who have burdens, people who have structures, uh, struggles, and if you see it, that is God's call on your life to do something about it. We, listen, we have to have a culture of care and discipleship. Like, like, I don't think the Sabbath had official small groups, uh, the synagogue or anything, but after this, what are they going to do? We're going to hang out. We're going to see, we're going to hang out with each other. We're going to spend time with each other. See, they, I want you to feel the opportunity and the responsibility to care for one another. The charge to care for the church is not just to me and the other elders. The call to care for the church is all of us. And all of us working together, interacting with each other. One of my, the things that I love to hear is, you know, I'll hear people talking. Maybe I'm nosy. I don't know. Anyway, but I hear people talking. They're like, I had them over for dinner the other night. And I'm like, I ain't even tell them to do that. <laughs> I'm like, that's dope. You know, like, when people are t- taking this initiative to hang out with each other, I'm like, oh, snap. Pastoral care is happening. I want you to feel that initiative, that, that opportunity that I can go and care for those, my brothers and sisters in the church, just by initiating regular times of hanging out. We must all feel that pastoral responsibility. So not only does Jesus prior, prioritize fellowship, Jesus heals in the midst of fellowship. Look at verse 30. Simon, uh, Simon's mother-in-law was lying in the bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. So he went to her, took her by the hand, and raised her up. The fever left her, and she began to serve them. Listen, our infirmities, our sicknesses, our, the things that kind of jack us up, they're really seen in the context of community. And how many times do we cancel the opportunity to be with other believers because we feel like we're not in the best shape? If they really saw how jacked up I would, listen, listen. If we open ourselves up and show our infirmities in our places where we need help in the context of community, we got people around us who can go, Jesus, I need you to help this person. (laughs) Otherwise, we wouldn't know. Jesus would not have healed her if if they were in fellowship and he didn't know about the infirmity. But they are together. Their warts and all are seen. The people feel a burden and like, we need to bring this person to Jesus. He's the one who can heal. See, Jesus heals us in community when we're with one another. They told him about her at once. See, when we're close to each other, we can see one another's pain. And we can tell Jesus about it. He's the one that can do something about it. 
That's one of the reasons why we offer prayer in our service. I don't know if I can do something about it, but I know someone who can. And what I love is her response. She got healed, and what did she do? Immediately began to serve. She didn't like, I had a bad, bad day today. I need a minute. No, 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 Jesus healed her. And she goes, all right, what you need me to do, Jesus? Those who have been healed by Jesus, serve Jesus. That's how we say thank you. Has anybody here been healed by Jesus? Well, how, how do you thank him? You serve. You serve. And then we get to the last section of the scripture. Jesus did the work of the kingdom after the Sabbath day. I'm going to give you a little context. Verse 32. When evening came after the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick and demon-possessed. The whole town was assembled at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and drove out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. So a little context you know, it says when the evening came and the sun had set, the, the, the Jewish day was not ordered like our day. We think the day starts in the morning and ends at night. But they, they, they had this evening idea, right? So the Sabbath day ended when the sun went down. In other, other words, they didn't have to wait for Monday. Monday came when the sun went down. You see what I'm saying? That, well, okay, it's time to get to work. Monday Monday's here. Corporate worship and rest is over. But after worship and fellowship... Jesus is ready to continue to do the work of the kingdom. He had spent a day in worship with the people of God. He had spent some time hanging out with his friends. And now the time to get to work had come. And he didn't go, I ain't ready. He's like, oh, I've been preparing. I'm ready for this. I've been with God's people. I am have, I have participating in the teaching. The real stuff of life is here, and I'm ready to tackle it. See, corporate worship and fellowship prepare us for our callings, for our vocations. Every one of you has, has different things you're charged to do, different relationships, different responsibilities. And sometimes I'm sure you're like, how do I do the thing? This is complicated. What should I do? One of the ways that God prepares you to live life Monday through Saturday is through the corporate worship. Now, you might, I might not tell you how to do your job, but if we're with God's people, he produces the fruit in us so that our attitude is proper. That we can manifest the, the realities of the kingdom of God in our everyday life. Anybody would like to do that? Did you, would you like to display God's kingdom in your everyday life? Well, one of the tools is what? Corporate worship. That, the, that, that there is a focused time that you are with God and God prepares you and molds you and teaches you and encourages you and equips you so that you can go display his character on every other day. Now, we got to ask this question, because if you, if, you, if you just read the scripture, there, there's one thing that is really interesting. The last verse, it says, when he's driving out demons, he says, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Now, if you're a student, you're like, why is that there? What does it mean he knew them? Why couldn't they talk? What's going on? Let's explain. Why, why did Jesus silence the demons? A couple of reasons. He, he wanted to reveal his identity on his own terms. So the people of Israel, when they, when they knew that there was a Savior or a Messiah coming, they're like, he's going to be a conqueror. He's going to be a king. He's about, to, he's about to demolish the Romans. We're going to get our power back. And so if demons started saying, yo, 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 the king's here, 
They're like, yo, let's go get our weapons. <laughs> and Jesus is like, that's not, that's not what, you don't understand exactly what I'm trying to do. I need to reveal my identity on my own terms. See, the crowds would not have understood what he came to do. The timing wasn't right. There's a story where, where um, Jesus is with his brothers, and if you know anything about the Gospels, his brothers were not fans of his. They didn't like him. And they said, yo, Jesus, there's this festival. Why don't you come to the festival so they can see who you are? Come on and reveal yourself. You say you this, that, and another. Come on. And Jesus said, it's not my time yet. Waiting is hard, y'all. Waiting for the time that the Lord is going to accomplish his plan and your life is hard. But be patient, because there was a day when Jesus did reveal his identity. And what he revealed about his identity is that Jesus is the Messiah who came to conquer through suffering. Here's what you need to understand. The kingdom of God comes through the cross. Now, we've got to review. What's, what's the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is God's benevolent rule with his blessing and protection. How do we get that? Well, listen, the reality is because of our sin, we, we forfeited access to that kingdom. We were, we were, in a sense, banished from the kingdom of God. Not because God, God didn't like us, but because we said, we don't like your rule. And God's like, well, if you don't like my rule, you can't be up in my kingdom. We have this sense of exile, this banishment. And what is happening on the cross? If you read the text of the scripture, Jesus is being exiled. He's being punished in our place. He is taking taking the consequences of our sin. Why? So that we can enter the kingdom. So that we can experience God's rule. That we can experience his blessings. See, Jesus takes the consequences of what we have done so that that we can experience what's his by right. Fellowship with the Father. Beloved, he was cursed in our place so that we could be connected to God could be assured of his protection, experience his blessings. And the reality is, is y'all, we, we see glimpses of the kingdom in, in corporate worship. We see glimpses. We don't see it fully. We won't see it fully until Christ comes back. But we certainly see glimpses. The scripture says that, that the Lord is enthroned on the praises of his people. And we're, we're praising the Lord, and you sense that, that, that joy and that peace that's glimpses of the kingdom. We, 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 we experience the rule and the reign of God through the teaching of the word. We experience his healing and protection. You know, we had a, a testimony a couple weeks back about somebody who legit got healed. We experience his healing and protection when we come together. And not only that, we will see an eternal Sabbath because of Jesus. When Christ comes back and sets all things right, what was the Sabbath about? The Sabbath was about worship and rest. What, what's eternity about? Worship and rest. Not, rest. not the tired rest, but that satisfying. <sighs> he brings that to us. So here's what I want you to do out of this message. It's real simple. I want you to honor the Sabbath. I want you to honor the corporate gathering of God's people. If Jesus Christ did, we should as well. I want to elevate your view of what's happening when we gather together. 
Now, y'all know I'm a nerd, so I got I to quote somebody. There's this guy named Ignatius of Antioch. He, he was discipled by Apostle John. So this is old. This is what he describes what happens when we gather together. He says, Seek, therefore, to come together more closely to give thanks to God and to glorify him. Listen, listen. For when you are each together closely, the powers of Satan are cast down, and his destructive power is brought low by your agreement in the faith. There is nothing better than peace in which every war, heavenly and earthly, is undone. Beloved, when we think about the corporate gathering, what I want you to do is I want you to come expecting, expect it. Now listen, listen. Now we just saw what going to church Jesus was like. Now I bet the next, the next, the next uh, Sabbath day, the disciples are going to the Sabbath going, oh man, what's about to happen today? You know, like, oh, so you, remember, you remember what happened last week though, right? You know, like, like they're just sitting in the back like, <laughs> what's going to happen? Listen, 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 here's the deal. Just as Jesus was bodily present with the disciples, Jesus is spiritually present with us. And so we can have some, some expectation. Listen, we're coming to church with Jesus. I don't know exactly what he's going to do, but it's going to be good. We're coming to church with the one, to, with the one who, who, who destroys the power of the evil one, who teaches us the good things of God. Listen, we can come expecting because, not because me or you, but because Jesus Christ said that when we get together in his name, where he going to be? With us. As I've been praying for our church, I've been praying that, that we would be a church that's, that's hungry for the Lord. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Anybody know what the rest is? For they will be filled. That's a ball and promise, right? Blessed are those, if we hunger and thirst for God, he's not saying, he's like, no, I'll fill you. Look, when we come together, I want to say, God, please draw near. And, and we can be assured that because his word says so, he will. Beloved, when we come together, let's come expecting Jesus to show up. The last thing I think this text calls us to, it calls us to seek fellowship with other Christians. That's the culture of discipleship that I long for. I, I'm the kind of person that, like, when I want to figure out a problem, I have, like, oh, I love whiteboards, and I'll just be writing writing plans and diagrams. But the reality is that no plan or diagram is going to overcome our own desires. So, so we, before there's a plan, you got to people who, you got you to want it. Before there's a plan for fellowship and discipleship, you got to want it. And I'm calling you to want it. Because there's healing in the context of the relationships of the church. So I'm asking you honestly, Help me, pastor, and care for our church. You take initiative so that we can see the healing and the work of Jesus in our midst. Here's the craziest thing. You know, when Jesus, the, the end of the scripture, when, when Jesus does the Sabbath thing, he casts out the demon, he's hanging out with his friends, and, and then the, the, the Monday comes and he's healing people. You know what it says? It says, the word about him spread everywhere. We, do we want the word about Jesus spread everywhere? Then listen, listen, the bare minimum is that we would show up expected and that we would be active in each other's lives. And as Jesus does work in us, the word about him will spread everywhere. That's the invitation that he has for us this morning.
And so, beloved, I pray that we take it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your mercy, for your goodness. I thank you for your word, how you speak to us and challenge us. Lord, I pray that you would give us a heart posture of obedience to your word. Lord, I I, I pray that you would give us simultaneously an expectant heart that you will work in and through us and also a hungry heart that we would long for your nearness. Lord, I pray that you would do such marvelous and magnificent work in our church. And not just so that we could enjoy it, but so that the fame of Jesus would spread throughout our community. Lord, we, we, want, we want your kingdom to come. We, we want your glory to be seen. Lord, we want people to experience the love and the joy and the peace that is found in you. So, Lord, would you do a work in our midst so that your name would be honored? Lord, we love you. Equip us and empower us to do the work that you have for us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.